Recapping the Hollywood week that was getting you ready for the Holly Weird Week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. In my own quarantine still, co-host also Mike in his quarantine. Mike, how you doing? I feel like a uh, couch potato person. (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt this potato-y in my life before. Like like now, like I'm just I'm I'm getting rounder. I'm getting I, I don't know. I feel like I'm dirty. So I feel like a potato. I'm just a couch potato person. Things are growing on you. Yeah, it's it's uh we're in day. I don't even know. Time has started to officially meld together of of whatever this quarantine is. And obviously we're in quarantine because the coronavirus is still, unfortunately, the top story. And it's not only the top story politically and the top story worldwide, but it also uh, is having a large impact on the entertainment world, as we all know. And we've been giving you updates every episode with the latest impact, and the latest news to come out of Hollywood and trying to kind of analyze it and, and show you and predict where the future of the industry may be headed as a result of it. This episode will be no different as we start off with our news of the week which is more coronavirus entertainment world updates news 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 okay so this is actually a collection of a few positive stories for once to start things off michael yeah china reopened 507 theaters as of saturday So 500-plus theaters going into this week as their coronavirus cases ease to a degree. I know they had, like, 39 new cases the other day after having, like, none a couple days before that. Mm -hmm. But So so they're still getting them. But as as we talked about last week, uh, they're showing the re-releases first, including the Harry Potters and a lot of their big hits over there, Capernaum being one of them, uh, where the theater owners will make 100% of the profits. So that's a nice thing that their film industry is doing. Uh, And then they're going to show quarter one films that they couldn't show while everything was shuttered up. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a big deal. We talked about this in a previous episode. They're going to show, you know, the the 1917s, the kind of last year's Oscars movies that they haven't had a chance to debut yet. So hopefully that'll buoy the box office for them. But there is uh, an article on Deadline.com. Nancy Tartaglioni cites a survey saying, according to China Global Television, a recent survey by Sir Film found that most respondents do not have immediate plans to go to the cinema, largely citing fear of crowds and leaving home just yet as well as a preference to wait for new movies to be released. And can you blame them? I like are, are we Absolutely not. <laughs> are we going to be to blame if uh, we're afraid to go out in the sun and you resume our regular lives again after I'm all not this going is over? to a theater until 2025. <laughs> I don't care when this is over. So, yeah, no. <laughs> all right. So, I, I I don't blame them and I wonder if this story is kind of looking at box office numbers that aren't so great. Like, we can't find the Chinese box office numbers available to us, you know, on, on Box Office Mojo or anything like that, really. So, or at least in a handy way, because Box Office Mojo, like you've uh, gotten angry about, they've totally revamped their whole system. But it's I, terrible. I, I, I do guess 
that they're not doing great business last weekend. And, and they're only opened up in, in some, a lot of rural areas and whatnot, so they, they probably didn't have the best opportunity to do well. But at least they're open again, so that's right. positive. That's the bright line is that hopefully this is uh, coming to an end over there and they can start getting a, a return to somewhat of normalcy. That would be nice for them. Another positive story, Mike, is that Amazon Prime, they lifted their paywall for children's programming. This was uh, from an article on The Hollywood Reporter by Rick Porter. Yeah, I think this is just out of necessity for parents' sanity at this sake, having to deal with their children at home 24-7 during this quarantine. But yes, yeah, shows including If You Give a Mouse a Cookie and Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood are going to be free for all customers, whether or not you have a Prime membership, which is kind of cool on their part. Yes, very cool. And also, they own IMDb, and there's like IMDb TV available on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, it does have ads, but they put a bunch of family movies available there as well, including Shrek, Little Giants, a favorite from our childhoods, yeah. and Stuart Little, to name a few. So another positive story. I give parents all sorts of credit, too, for you know having to keep these kids entertained. I know uh, my little nephew, seven years old, just started his online classes uh, this week. So he's had the last couple weeks off because nobody knew exactly what was going on and everyone's trying to get things set up. So it certainly has, has not been the easiest time, I would imagine, if you are a parent of, uh, of young children, especially, uh, or children of all ages, probably. So uh, our, our hats and our thoughts uh, go out to you <laughs> and hope that you are finding something some kind of time to yourself to uh, to keep yourself sane. Yeah, we're all going to respect teachers and the job <laughs> that they do on a daily basis to wrangle those kids into uh, working on stuff. Because I'm sure, I'm sure that all the homeschooling now is just very difficult on parents. So hopefully our show can just, you know, relieve the tension and just talk about nonsense for a little bit, uh, you know, when you guys can listen to us. Yeah, their approval ratings as teachers will never be higher than when the kids get back into classrooms. I think you're absolutely right there. Mike, Parent uh, teacher night will just be a lot of hugging. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, giant therapy session. <laughs> All right, uh, another story here, and it's a bit mixed because I saw a couple stories like this uh, out this past weekend. Number one, UTA, the uh, talent agency, they have kept everybody on just about, but they've cut salaries you know a yeah. huge amount uh, in this particular case cineplex executives and cineplex is a huge uh, exhibition company a theater company in canada their executives take 80 percent pay cuts and unfortunately they've also forced their employees uh, to take cuts in this crisis this was a article on the hollywood reporter by etan vlessing yeah and it's even it's made all the more complicated because they're trying to take over a group called Cineworld Group and they have certain debt conditions to meet for this over $2 billion purchase trying to yeah. acquire that group and probably no poorer time to try to make a mass acquisition of another company than when we're dealing with a global pandemic. So uh, that kind of explains maybe why the executives are so willing to take such a steep pay cut in this time. But nonetheless, I, I think a lot of companies across the board and in various countries are hopefully doing this and it sounds like a lot of them have stepped up and have tried to make uh, some sort of sacrifice to to look out for the little guy here it's been happening uh we've had stories of it happening uh, i'd like to see more stories of it happening because it's just a a weird time for everybody uh, and i know that uh that those with means and the ceos and the millionaires aren't excluded it's certainly a difficult time for them but uh just imagine how much worse it is for people with zero means whatsoever that rely on you know minimum wage paychecks so it's a uh, 
it's just my, my heart breaks for, for everyone involved in those situations. Absolutely. But at least a lot of celebrities, whether they're athletes or they're actors, they are stepping up. They're creating yeah. a lot of funds. We see stories like that across the, the trades uh, pretty much every morning now. So that is a good thing. Hopefully these funds do, you know, at least make a dent into all the unemployment that is unfortunately happening uh, and God, we just need these uh, coronavirus cases to subside, please. Anyway, yeah. Michael, I, we have another story that was inevitable that kind of built up over the last few days. The Tokyo Olympics were postponed to 2021. Yeah, which is going to, I don't know if that's going to throw off the four-year schedule or if they're going to go four years now starting in 2021, so the next one will be 2025, but they were officially called off as of yesterday, and countries started trickling out the news yesterday that they were going to drop out if the uh, games were still to be held in 2020. Canada and Australia kind of came forward and said, we're not going to be sending athletes. Then around uh, 4 p.m. on March 23rd, Dick Pound, who is both a member of the International Olympic Committee and a member of the all-time name Hall of Fame. He said that the 2020 games are going to be delayed uh, completely until next year. So 2021 is when we will have Olympic Games. Uh, look, I, I think everything's got to be delayed. And I've been saying that I, for for whatever is going on in months, I think over the summer, stuff is still going to end up being delayed if you go by what these doctors are saying, which kind of makes what our president said and intimated yesterday on the 23rd all the more peculiar, as he seems to insist that after the 15-day quarantine, uh, people are going to be able to go back to work no problem, which doesn't really jive with anything that we've heard the doctors and medical experts say. So, uh, yeah, I think the Olympics should be canceled or postponed. I don't think I think this is a no-brainer, like you said. I just think the president was posturing with the bill... That was up for debate. Oh, I don't. <laughs> oh, God, I hope. I hope. I hope. Anyway, I, I'm still uh, you know, caught up on the name Dick Pound, which is yes. hilarious. Great name. And we, need Rick... that, we need that name during these times. And we glossed over the name Rick Porter before, who is a reporter for The Hollywood Reporter. Oh, look at which that. Which is another huh? great you know, name in the world. That's how he got that gig. Here's, not, here's <laughs> a name that is not so great. Harvey Weinstein. He has the coronavirus, Michael. Yeah. So, look, say what you want and make all your jokes about Harvey Weinstein. That's fine. But none of that really concerns me or karma or anything like that. What does concern me is that Harvey Weinstein has been in contact with pretty much every area of the New York criminal justice system the past few weeks, yeah. including being in a maximum security prison that has nearly a thousand inmates. And he has the virus, so if the coronavirus has gotten into that correctional facility, if the coronavirus seeps its way into the New York State Penitentiary system, that's going to be a massive problem uh, for New York and probably the Northeast in general, as their hospitals, Governor Cuomo, the governor of New York, has already come out and said in the last few days, for those of you not in this area of the country, this part of the country, he said that the New York hospitals probably only have about seven or eight days left of supplies before they're out. Yeah. So if they have to deal with a, a widespread or rampant run of this virus throughout the penitentiary system, I, I shudder to think what might be coming soon. Well, we saw stories a couple weeks ago, or was it just two days ago i don't remember time is a just a blend right now but we saw like i think it was iranian prisons just them escaping you know yes. because yeah. they're able to with all the lax protocols or if, the, if they're not lax protocols the, the inmates are just rising up and and overpowering people it, it, it's scary it is very scary but i do want to end this segment on something positive like we started because tom hanks rita wilson after a couple weeks in australia say they're feeling better 
suffering from the coronavirus. Uh, there's headlines that say they are recovered. I don't know how what how accurate it all is, but it is it is positive nonetheless. Yeah, I think uh, Tom Hanks put on Instagram that it was about two weeks of recovery time, so we're very grateful for that. Rita Wilson just put yesterday on Instagram on the 23rd, she was rapping. I forget, it might have been a Naughty by Nature song or something, but she was <laughs> just spitting rhymes on her Instagram, which I loved and was very endearing, and mom and dad seemed to be doing well. <laughs> the America's mom and dad there, that couple, so uh, good. Yes, that is a very positive note. We're very happy to see that, and uh, we'll be happy once uh, more people recover as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to do a quick box office update for some reason. That reason we'll talk about in a second. But first of all, the box office hit zero for the first time in over 100 years of the film business, Michael. I think that's something important to note. That's that's craziness. That's absolutely wild. And I think it was Pam McClintock of The Hollywood Reporter who wrote this great article about the box office hitting zero and was talking about how she sets her alarm every every week, Monday at like 5.45 a.m. She gets yeah. the latest numbers. And, and she went in this whole uh, diatribe about how weird it was. She feels like she's living in the Twilight Zone. And we, who cover the box office numbers every week here on MMOW, we, we share that sentiment. It's just wild how there was basically a nationwide shutdown and over the period of three weeks you went from you know a regular box office an early year box office covering the films of february and early march things that are making their way into theaters i mean even onward we just reviewed and that was going to have a 40 million dollar opening that was two weeks ago and now it's just zero across the board across the country zero dollars it is bizarre and it's bizarre for you and me as well like you said because you know we have our browsers our internet browsers and our bookmarks and our tabs and all that stuff set up and i keep clicking on the box office mojo which is front and center of my like you know toolbar on the top of my regular browser i keep clicking on it like incessantly thinking something's going to change and i keep finding myself (laughs) looking at like the sixty thousand dollars from last Thursday that Anya yeah. made. And I don't know why I'm looking at it because I know things are shut down. It, it is really, really wacky. But I did want to do this segment because Onward, you know, we, we got some lists that we can analyze for a half a second here because Slash Film put it out. Amazon Prime, they just launched Prime Cinema, which I guess is, you know, this temporary kind of, uh, you know, home premiere outlet for all of their movies that should have been in theaters that they're trying to showcase there to get people to buy them for 20 bucks, to rent them for 20 bucks, what have you. Onward was number one on iTunes, Mike. It was number eight on Amazon for the number of rentals. So that's positive for Pixar. That's also an indication that this seems to be working at least for one movie. Yeah, and I don't think it's it's a mystery as to why Onward is doing so well. Just Pixar, a lot of kids are home from school, families, and like we just talked about, parents probably losing their minds trying to give these kids something to do during the day, and maybe it's a family movie they could all watch together at night before bedtime, so I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, selfishly, what I take from this for, for our purposes is there's not really a lot of metrics out there that are up to date and current with getting the numbers and aggregating the rental numbers and the VOD numbers as far as options like iTunes go, I would like to see Box Office Mojo kind of be the aggregator of of those as well, because I'd like to be able to parse through and see for myself exactly who did what and who sold what. And I know there's they're available out there, but you got to kind of jump through some hoops, do a little digging to find them. Yeah. Uh, so it, 
I, I just would like to have that more easily accessible. And maybe because of the times we're living in, because the film industry seems to be so reliant on the VOD market right now, uh, maybe that'll come to fruition. But yeah, Onward, I think, makes a lot of sense to be uh, being rented so populously and being uh, rated so highly. Well, that's a lot of adverbs there, Mike. But I, I do Thank think you. Uh, <laughs> I do think it's a good sign for this thing that it's that it's kind of working. It because you know all the other titles on these lists are essentially you know rental options, or purchase options that have been there for a while, and the, the other movies from NBC Universal didn't show up on the list. So onwards, really the first Trailblazer to get on the top 10 it, it is also an indicator probably that trolls world tour will do well when they finally finally release that in a week or so i, I think uh these kids movies for for obvious reasons there are, are movies that the kids are just i guess bugging their parents into getting for them and the parents yeah. are just like fuck it 20 dollars, yeah. fine i'll do it I- I mean, watch it for 36 hours or whatever it is. Exactly. And that, but that's what they do. I mean, they, it'll be on for 36 hours straight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have friends that have young children. I obviously, my brother has, has young children as well. When they find something new they love, that's all you play. And they re- will replay it and replay it and replay it. So I could see there being situations where there's households that rent onward and then have to re-rent it and re-rent it just to satisfy their kids and keep them from crying and maybe buy mommy and daddy a little piece. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense and maybe it's one of these uh, innovations we're finding just by happenstance that this quarantine is going to show us that maybe uh, the VOD market could be very lush and the VOD rental market could be very lush for uh, new kids options. Most definitely. Well, we got some more stories though. And uh, do you care? care section this is where we take other news stories of the week we ask each other do we should we or will we care about them the way we start every do you care segment is i mean it's it's usually i I ask dear sweet michael here about our new theatrical releases but i don't know that we have many of those this week so we'll talk about what's coming out on vod and other places march 24th on vod michael we do have onward we have i still believe the gentleman birds of prey the way back and just mercy all debuting so I think I'll rent Just Mercy. I'll wait a little bit longer and then rent it. In terms of the way back and the gentleman, I'm very, very tempted. I've, we've already reviewed Onward. I've already seen Birds of Prey reviewed it on an MMOW. But the way back is something I missed. Can I, can I resist it is the question. Can I resist a basketball movie with Ben Affleck? And it's it looks like a pure sports movie goodness kind of thing. It got got well reviewed when it was out in theaters. I may not be able to resist it, Mike. I may have to talk at least myself, if not you, into <laughs> reviewing it with me. This quarantine may be Ben Affleck's best chance to win a Best Actor Oscar as as well. If uh, the rest of the movie here gets wiped out, and he got very high marks for what he did in the way back, so he could be. Uh, maybe he's rooting for this quarantine to I, stay a little longer. No, I, I hope. I obviously think not. I have Pete uh, Davidson in the supporting actor category as my lead contender right now, uh, oh, and absolutely. you had him in the actor category. But yeah. if we watch this movie, Ben Affleck is probably the number one best actor. Is my guess. If it's just Pete Davidson and Ben Affleck that show up to the Oscars this year, they're the only two. <laughs> that were invited yeah that'd be a great red carpet uh coming out on regularly was supposed to come out all along on vod this week we have clemency banana split vivarium doolittle cunningham and the song of names yeah clemency i would go in for clemency there i I don't know about you yeah 
I, I, I echo what you said, and I didn't get a chance to see it when it was out in theaters during its limited run last year. Alfred Woodard got a lot of high marks as well. We thought that might be an Oscar contender last year. Uh, didn't come to fruition there. On premium TV, coming out on Stars this week, Mike, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it somewhere before. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally in. Totally in there. I'll watch it more now because it'll just be on Stars, and I can right. watch it from every TV because I can only watch the one I bought on my Fire Stick, which sometimes I'm too lazy to go and get. Yep. And bring I'm the same way <laughs> to my bedroom to watch it there. So now I'll probably just watch it on VOD because it's on Stars. Right. I have the Blu-ray, but I have to switch wires if I want to watch it on Blu-ray. But if it's on Stars, I could just click a button on my remote. And if that's not American, I don't know what is. <laughs> we are just potatoes. That's it. <laughs> um, on streaming this week, we have Crip Camp. And next week, we have Ozark Season 3 coming to Netflix. Daniel Isn't Real and Satanic Panic are coming to Shudder. I'm probably going to go in on Shudder pretty soon. I know you're you're already in. And, yes. and those are two movies that I would watch like straight away, including including uh, One Cut of the Dead. I probably watched those three right off the bat, at least in a seven-day trial or a 10-day trial, whatever they do. And then, yeah, we're going to review Crip Camp the end of this week. At least that's the plan right now. That's that's a bona fide Oscar, you know, best uh, feature documentary contender that we hope to have a special guest on to review our go-to Netflix man, Andrew, there. So we're, we're excited about that movie, especially after reviewing the trailer on the last MMOW. Trailer looked great. Absolutely great. And I would be, uh, well... It's the documentary feature category. I was going to say I'd be shocked if that's not there at the end of the year come come Oscar time, but I won't be because it's a documentary feature, and that category just lives to spite all of us. Yeah, we'll love it. It'll be our no- number one movie of the year for like eight months because right. nothing else had come out, and then it'll get snubbed. Exactly. <laughs> this, yeah. m- this small category at the end of the day, I'm sure. I'm sure that's happening. Anyway, Michael, uh, we don't usually report on composers, but I thought it was notable that... Michael Giacchino! ...has earned, quote, total freedom to do whatever he wants for the score for The Batman from Matt Reeves. Well, sure. I mean, if you're going to trust the big score to anybody, I think Michael Giacchino has more than paid his dues and proven himself to be very trustworthy to kind of create his own epic. I mean, the guy is one of the greatest composers going. I would trust him, Hans Zimmer, uh, Alexander Duplat. Of course, yes, take free reign enhance my movie with your talents please sir michael giacchino he uh how dare you (laughs) i think it's giacchino it's giacchino all right i'm i'm almost positive i don't care what he or his family says but it's funner to yell the way you do it i would agree (laughs) i i think the uh, little promo preview whatever we saw of the batman with that score sounded awesome yeah and if that's any indication of his overall score and i know what it is then uh we're, we're in for something really cool there so the, i i don't think we usually report on this but i'm glad we did today because i'm, I'm amped for that one and uh i'm amped for the batman I'm, I'm more amped for the batman than i thought i would be because dc just has been letting me down for years but they're starting to win me over again with wonder woman 1984 etc up is one of the greatest film scores of all time. Mm-hmm. Whoever was involved with that, and obviously Giacchino, as is the proper pronunciation of his name, he did the score for Up. He can do the score for absolutely anything. I, I 
I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually more excited for the Batman because Giacchino's attached to it than I would be otherwise, quite frankly. I think he's that good at what he does. I can't wait till they just like drop it on YouTube. Like, all right, we're, a fi- we're <laughs> right. kind of a fan podcast. This is a fan podcast saying, give me that score like on right. YouTube like a yeah. week early. I don't Absolutely. need the Donald Glover album. No offense, Donald Glover. I want the Michael Giacchino score for the Batman like immediately. And I want to write the next episode with that blaring in my headphones. <laughs> that will make me happy. Mike, why are we fighting crime this episode? Yeah. All right, Mike. Bad Boys for Life is coming early to VOD on March 31st, and Netflix scooped up Time to Hunt, which was a hit at the Berlin Film Festival. It's out of South Korea. Yeah, the plot premise for this reads, in the near future, a financial crisis will hit Korea and slums arise. For those From those areas, a group of young people commit crime to survive, Michael. Look, all I can say is that I hope Time to Hunt and The Lovebirds, both that Netflix recently scooped up, I hope they made out financially from these deals because I, I do think Netflix is flush. So I hope they made them whole or at least close. I hope this story is more like business as usual for Netflix than Netflix capitalizing on this dire situation. Even if they did capitalize Netflix, the fact that you have a platform like theirs, that's a lot of exposure for the filmmakers. Yeah. We saw it with Bong Joon-ho. It kind of made him a household name after some of his bigger movies like Okja and Snowpiercer went to Netflix, I think, to make his last year possible in many ways. Uh, if, if those if those movies weren't for everybody to see on Netflix, does he win those those four Oscars? I don't think he does. So it's an interesting hypothetical. You know, yeah. th- these filmmakers can at the very least, even if they're not if, even if they take a loss, take a bath on their projects, they get a lot more exposure. And just look at this past weekend with the platform, everybody watching the platform on Netflix. I mean, that's a, another example. So I'm rooting for these films uh, foremost. And then I will. You know, later this week, Badger, our Netflix expert, to to get the skinny on this. I don't know if Netflix is taking advantage or not, but I just, can you imagine how much of an increase in revenue they're having? They might be the only company, I mean, them, Amazon Prime, these streaming services might be the only companies in America right now that are just having these they have to be flush with cash at this point because so many people must have signed up. Not that we'll ever know because they don't release numbers for anything, but they must have had a boon because of this uh, quarantine, this nationwide shutdown, essentially. So I imagine that they have the funds to kind of back them up. And they need it, quite frankly, because that debt sheet, we talk about it all the time on here. Netflix is just running debt into the billions of dollars, which is just uncanny. But hopefully, I guess their business model works and there are people much smarter than me uh, working in their accounting department. And accounting was always my worst grade in college anyway, so I probably shouldn't be talking about debits or credits at all. But you got to trust Netflix right now is the bottom line. And they're probably rolling like a pig in shit. Yeah, they were quoted. Ted Sarandos was quoted this week and and he basically said, yeah, our numbers they're up. And I <laughs> I took that quote as being like at the beginning of Crazy Rich Asians where she's asking him, like, is your family wealthy? And he's like, oh, well, growing up, we were very comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, that's exactly what wealthy people say. <laughs> so, he said he said that wearing a pair of assless chaps and just like spanking himself, you know, <laughs> we're doing OK. <laughs> but I mean, it's basically in a situation where we all want to be working for Ted Sarandos, that $100 million fund or whatever that stat was that we went over last week, he basically he's taking care of his, of his employees better than anybody. He's still buying these movies. So, yeah, Netflix has got to be rolling in it right now. they got to be flush. Agree. Agree across the board. So probably a, 
a wise move. I would think to even get in bed with Netflix at all, even if you do maybe take a little bit of a financial loss selling the license or selling the rights to your right. film. You don't want to do that. But like you said, there's never been a higher exposure point for Netflix than during this shutdown. So and they, more they, eyes get to it than, than normal anyway. Yeah, and they've given follow-up projects to a lot of the people that do well for them. So they do have a track record at this point. Anyway, we're going to move into some sad news. I think this is important to go over because Kenny Rogers passed away at 81 years old. Mike, he was a Golden Globe nominee in 1987 for Best Original Song for They Don't Make Them Like They Used To uh, in the film Tough Guys. Uh, Rogers is obviously... You know, also known for his wildly popular song, The Gambler, but he also left an indelible mark on the film and television world as well. You know, not only as a singer and performer, but uh, but as a screen, on-screen talent with his acting. Of course, I used to go to, you know, Kenny Rogers Roasters growing up, Mike. I don't know about you. And I, I love that place. That was like my go-to fried chicken place growing up because it was in my, uh, my grandparents' hometown. So they went there. My parents went there. We all loved it. So, yeah, very sad news here. Really? No, the only experience i have with the kenny rogers roasters that famous seinfeld episode uh which has gone down in history as was one of the greats where kramer and jerry switch apartments but yeah uh kenny rogers he had over 130 soundtrack credits on his imdb resume with songs of his used in properties as recently as richard jewell from this wow. past oscar season and the watchman hbo tv show he also has had 24 acting credits and he even had two of his books adapted into the tv movies there was christmas in america in 1990 and then christmas in Canaan in 2009, wow. obviously an immensely talent. talented man uh, in both in many many ways. Writer, singer, actor. Uh, he will be missed. He was putting on legendary shows, great shows, even in his latter years as. Both my parents and probably yours, dear listener, can attest to because he was a big hit amongst moms and dads. I know that for sure. So, yeah, a, a great loss and certainly a full life lived uh, by him. It'll be a big hole in the uh, the acting and the entertainment community that he's uh, leaving behind here. Yeah, I co-sign all of that, and we uh, we give we pass on our condolences to to his family and and friends there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, gonna try to transition and move on to trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. All right, Mike. Only uh, two trailers here for us to go over. We got the Willoughby's to start the premise. An animated kids fantasy where non-caring parents are sent away on a vacation by their forlorn and desperate for affection children, which leads to a Maya Rudolph-voiced nanny trying to protect said children from the evil family services. All right, number one, I'm happy that Maya Rudolph is getting reps here. She's very funny, number one. Now, I think I disagree with this entire story. Um, for okay. many reasons, for many reasons, because child services and parents look like the bad guys. Yes. It, it's very clear that they're the bad guys. This is such an adult take. <laughs> now, why are kids being pursu- pursued by child services if their parents are away on a trip and there's a hired nanny looking after them? Isn't that perfectly legal? Yes, I would agree. And I had the same issue. I don't understand how this makes sense, but I also realize we are not the target demo for this. Right. But if they're getting into so much mischief because basically it's a cartoon home alone that it's unsafe, then in that case, aren't we rooting for child services? To stop the kids and bring them in. You people need protecting. (laughs) Yes. So what happens? The, The nanny who, yes, she may sing and she's Maya Rudolph and we love her, but she takes them to a factory which seemingly uses child labor from like this Willy Wonka guy. 
and this Willy Wonka guy only feeds kids candy to the point where they're making jokes about a little baby eating so much candy off the uh, conveyor belts that it gorges itself herself until puking. Yeah, he's clearly peddling some sort of substance in these candies that's addicting these kids. I'm with you. This is a very dangerous uh, movie, and children should not be privy to it. What is this movie? WTF (laughs) is going on here. Yeah, the animation is beautiful. I did not expect for this quote-unquote Oscar contender that we've been touting in the best animated feature category for a while. I did not expect like this crazy-ass story going on here. No, I didn't expect. This is an edgy story. Also, usually when you get this kind of story, it's usually about the parents eventually loving the kids too or the kids earning the parents' love. I didn't get any hints of that happening in this one. No, the parents are horrible. Right. Apparently. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Chris Pearn, Corey Evans, there's actually one more director listed on IMDb of Rob Lodermeyer. It's a three-headed uh, director and co-director situation. Uh, look, you said we thought this was an Oscar potential, an Oscar nominee coming from Netflix in the animated feature category. It does look beautiful. It, Maya Rudolph is there. We do love her. There's a great cast attached to this. But yeah, if you're an adult watching this trailer, a bit of a confusing premise, I would say. After all of the homeschooling, though, I wonder if parents will all be evil and need vacations uh, (laughs) when we do get out of this and kids will be running amok. And maybe this is unfortunately prophetic and Netflix will just be dialing in to the uh, pulse of the nation come next March. It's the perfect time for the, for the parents abandoning their children movie on streaming that we all need. Yeah. It'll hit the nerve. (laughs) God damn it. My coffee and Kareem. Yeah. We got another Netflix movie here. Uh, We just watched this. We just realized this dropped right before we hit record here today. So I don't have a clever premise that I know you all love to hear spelled out, but we have Taraji P. Henson, Ed Helms. There's the, the leads in this as we have this, Officer Coffee, Ed Helms' character, teaming up with Taraji P. Henson's son, getting into mischief, essentially. It's not mischief, though, Mike. It is serious danger. <laughs> serious danger. And again, it's this movie, I disagree with it. I just disagree with it. Like, the kid's in a strip club. It's like a 12-year-old kid in the strip club with Ed Harris. That's wrong. Sorry. It's just wrong. And then, like, the kid is trying to kill uh, Ed Harris, I called him. Ed Helms. That would be a very different movie if it was Ed ha- Harris. Ed Harris wouldn't stand for that. He'd kill the kid. Ed Harris would bring some more moral authority. He'd be the adult in the room in this case. Ed Helms is just, like, joyriding with this kid in his police car. Where everybody's trying to kill everybody, and it's just this weird comedy where there's all this murder and again child abuse. This is straight up child abuse, and it's wrong shit. It's just nothing but wrong shit for two minutes. Yeah, it's like super bad if it was McLovin ended up going with the cops, but then the content got super dark, and the comedy was really really dark because what he's literally trying to murder. This Officer Coffee character this this child is, and they get involved seeing a mafia hit, and now they're on the run from a gang, essentially, led by King Bach of, uh, of Vine fame and, and, yeah. and uh, now TikTok fame. So, yeah, I agree. Maybe we're too old to watch comedies and kids' movies anymore. Maybe we don't relate to them, and if we were in the Polar Express, we wouldn't hear the clock tick anymore. We've lost the magic. We've lost, lost our innocence. But I had the same takes as you. This is bizarre. 
I wish I could disagree with you. I can't even disagree with you because I don't like when you take grudges on entire genres of film <laughs> because of two trailers you watch on a freaking Monday or Tuesday. But... I stand resolute in my position. I think I'm right here. <laughs> I can't disagree. These are horrible, horrible, horrible stories that might be entertaining, though, so we'll probably watch them and feed the beast and the zeitgeist yes. continuously. Mike, we got to get into what you're watching Look. because we're going right to you to start off here with Tiger King. I've I've talked about this in the last episode. Everybody seems has has turned on to this now on social media. I'm telling myself I was the first one, and everyone got it from my opinion. So you're welcome. Uh, Tiger King is just an absurd show. Oh, it's, crazy. it's maybe the greatest television show of all time. Every time I thought I had something figured out, or I knew who was crazier or the craziest amongst these groups of people they would outdo themselves and there would be a new leader. It's just amazing. If you don't know what it is, it's a seven-part docu-series on Netflix. And essentially what the premise is, is there are two competing uh, zoo keepers, for the Private most zoos, part, yeah, yeah uh, who own tigers, who are in a feud against each other. One man's name is Joe Exotic, uh, you won't believe this, but that's not his birth name. He is a unbelievably loud, flamboyant, just this amazing human being who gets accused of running a murder-for-hire plot to take out his competitor, the other Tiger Zookeeper. And I'm not lying when I say to you, the murder-for-hire plot is the least fascinating part of this show. <laughs> it is bizarre. The characters are bizarre. The animals are lovely and large and beautiful. The conditions, a lot of them are pretty much horrible, quite frankly. The stories are off the wall. This will capture the zeitgeist as it's already started to. I don't think it's as good as Making a Murderer or one of those shows, but it might be as intriguing. You can't stop watching. Every episode ends on a cliffhanger, but it's such a bizarre out there cliffhanger. Like, what did they just say? I have to keep watching. Tiger King, go check it out. I've gotten two separate phone calls in the last day from people telling me how, like, they can't believe what they're watching with this. It's crazy. And you're in a quarantine anyway. You need something good to watch. I absolutely recommend Tiger King. Mike, you've watched the first two episodes, you said. I did watch the first two, and I think the biggest trick that it's pulling on us right now, and they know we're viewers, uh, we're sophisticated viewers of storytelling. We all are, as Americans. We just mm -hmm. are. They know that we want to cling to somebody to like, to love, to root for. Mm -hmm. And they keep giving us so many reasons to like <laughs> each one of these characters. But then, and but then, and they give us... You know, they drop the fucking hammer. They keep giving us these but then. You yes. Know, this is what this person really is. And they keep contradicting themselves. But, oh, they really love animals in this way. They really love their employees in this way. But then their employees are just basically <laughs> homeless people. And they're they're treated terribly. And they're paid nothing. And, and that's just the, the – I'm skimming the surface. I don't want to give anything else away. I don't think you could – we could talk about this for three days and just be skimming the surface. You can't get in depth about this show because there's just – it's unbelievable, first of all. And then there's too much to get in depth with. It's just insane. Sanity. You, we could have a whole podcast just on this show, <laughs> just on like one episode of this show. It's that batshit crazy. I agree. I, it's too crazy to be real, but it is real, and I, I can't believe it's real. 
It's one I of those kind of shows. I won't spoil this for you since you haven't gotten there. If you plan on finishing the series, there's one shot in the finale that involves a jet ski. It's the hardest I've laughed, and I need. If you need a good laugh during this quarantine, during this Corona pandemic, oh, you'll yeah. get it in the finale. It's the hardest I've laughed in quite some time. Maybe oh, since God. Deadpool two with the introduction to X Force. Are there a lot of jet skis before then? No, there's none. Okay, so I'm just waiting for the jet ski. And yes, then you, that's the setup for the the big joke. I yes. wish there was a lot of jet skis before then, because then it would be like the guy with the two arms, and then he has the one arm and hot tub time machine. <laughs> right, right. Is bad. this it? How's it happen? Uh, yes, but I I cannot recommend Tiger King enough. I actually watched some other stuff. Uh, believe it or not, that wasn't Shoot. just mindless YouTube or Parks and Rec. Uh, I watched Taylor Tomlinson Quarter Life Crisis, her stand up special on Netflix. I adore her. I've, I've I've been a big fan of hers for a while, and I think this is kind of like her coming out party. Cool. It's hilarious. Oh, good. Uh, what yeah. kind of comic is she? She's she's a young like like twenty six year old, just giving. It's basically updates about her life essentially, and she was engaged, and she had to break the engagement off, and now she found somebody new. So it's just like a piece of my life type of a stand up set and about her family and all this stuff, but it's so good. And it was relatable, too. I mean, she had, you know, she had clashes with religion. She had clashes with her father. It's all relatable stuff, but I was laughing the entire hour. I thought it was really well done. And I take that in contrast with uh, Burt Kreischer's Come Here, Big Boy, I think it's called. (laughs) Yeah, I saw the uh, I wasn't crazy about that. Really? I like like Burt Kreischer, too, but I I wasn't, I found myself a little disappointed by his, that stand-up special. I'm surprised because his last few have been been really good on Netflix. I'm with you. I'm a huge fan of his, but I just I found myself like cringing more at some of the jokes than I did finding like guffawing and laughing. But out of those two, I, I mean, they're both worthwhile watches. I, I I do you do get your laughs in with Bert, even though I wasn't crazy about it. So I would recommend both. But if you're gonna only have time for one, some reason because. I don't know why you would only have time for one. None of us are doing anything. But Taylor Tomlinson, Quarter Life Crisis is what I would recommend. I also dove in on Big Little Lies Season 2 finally. Oh, good. Uh, Nicole Kidman might want to reel it in a little bit. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's loud. I've only gotten the first two or three episodes done, but she's, uh, yeah, she's loud. Uh, <laughs> Laura Dern <laughs> plays a great I hate you type uh Material girl. I think she's wonderful in that. That's what should be what she wins the Oscar for last year, not her role in Marriage Story. She was the MVP of that season, I thought. I could tell already. I mean, she's already had some standout scenes just in the first two or three episodes that your jaw drops. She's outstanding. Meryl Streep is already butting heads with Reese Witherspoon. You've reviewed this when it was out in real time uh, last summer. I also, uh, I watched the first episode of Servant, Mike, on Apple TV+. Oh, good. How was it? I don't think I'll be returning to it. It's that weird. Is it is it just not well made, or is it just uh, this, a story doesn't appeal to you? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I had problems with a lot of the shots in it. I have a problem with the openings of the story that they're getting into. I don't think it's one of M Night Shyamalan's best. I might give it another episode to see if it can keep me roped in, but I was pretty uh, pretty let down by it. Uh, if you are out there and you watch it. I want to know what you think. I want to know if I'm in the dark on this one because I was really, I was really not impressed, both technically and from a script uh, point of view, as far as what I saw in the first episode. And then, Mike, the coup de gras. I wanted to fill you in on this. You'll be very proud of me. <laughs> Boy, there's a coup de gras more than what you've reviewed thus far. I watched the first six episodes of Love Is Blind, Mike. 
what is that? <laughs> That's not even ringing a bell. What is Love is Blind? It is a dating show on Netflix. Oh, God. Where the people don't see each other. They are divided by a wall, men and women. There's like 10 of each or 8 of each. They have to pick their partner just based on conversations they've had through this wall. They don't get to see each other until they've made their decision. And then they have to propose. So they all get engaged upon seeing each other in real life for the first time. And then it follows them throughout this this, fake marriage. Except it's real. Like it goes back to their hometowns with them. They shows them interacting with their families. It's a fucking car crash. Like, Tiger King is a car crash where somebody, like, ends up doing a a 360 flip in their car, going through a ring of fire and landing on its tires. This is a car crash where the driver gets propelled through the the windshield and ends up in the next town over without his limbs on. Like, it's terrible, but I can't look away. That's the the premise itself just makes me angry. And maybe it's because we're so single, and maybe we should just volunteer for the show just to just to get some loving somewhere. Oh, we, in the we world, wouldn't but... get on though, Mike. Here's the fucking problem: <laughs> love is blind, right? So the whole premise of the show is that you're not supposed to see your partner, so you you just have to go off what they tell you and how they sound, and and building this relationship with them. Except every fucking person in the show is a goddamn supermodel, so it doesn't fucking matter who you pick yeah, because they're wouldn't... still the most beautiful people on earth. But they wouldn't sound like we sound. We do this semi-professionally. <laughs> and, but we, we, our, audible, our audio is out there to the world, and we have a lot of fans, and we're good at it, I think. We're somewhat okay at it, whatever. We're passable. We would do well on this show. This is our only chance. I've, I've totally gone, done a 180 on this show in the, in the span of two minutes. Well, that's the most surprising news of the day, because every time I watch it, I just think there's no way Mike is going to ever see this. Love so, is blind. I, that's the first I've heard of it, but I, I may actually click on it now. I'm that curious. I would love for you to watch it just to get your take, because I am sure you would hate it. <laughs> well, I want to see if I could be a contestant on the show and how I would do. It should That's anger you. It should anger you. It does anger. It did anger me. Now <laughs> I'm embracing it, though. <laughs> All right. So I actually had a lot to get through for what we're watching for a change. Once every 18 months, I'll I'll go long in this segment. So that oh, was good. it today. What do you got for us, Mike? I got a lot of stuff as well. I watched Hot Fuzz, which is still great. It's on Stars. That's the Cornetto trilogy. Great movie. Simon Pegg. Yes, yes. Uh, Book Smart. I rewatched that on Hulu. It is way better than I remember it. Uh, Good. I'm so relieved. It, it's awesome. Okay, uh, a guilty pleasure alert here is Motherless Brooklyn. I bought this for four ninety nine on VOD. Yeah, you and your brother weren't seeing eye to eye on that movie. You yeah. watched it too, he said. Yeah, he didn't like it. I, I didn't even like the rewatch as, as much as I liked the first watch. So that's oh, really? unfortunate. The song is still awesome. I will say that that much. Uh, it, it is kind of a guilty pleasure in, in parts, though. I, I, I like some of the, you know, the gumshoeing and the sleuthing and, you know, the, the Ed Norton performance. It's kind of funny at times on purpose. He handles the, the differently abled character. It's, it's an interesting movie let's just put it that way it probably goes 30 minutes too long like it really bored me that's not good yeah i i also rewatched serenity which is based on the uh, firefly tv series and mike i hadn't seen this movie in years i remember liking it a lot as a mm-hmm. sci-fi film and i just, the rewatch wasn't good it was not good at all really that's got some hardcore fans too i loved the tv series i loved the movie years ago i i rewatched this with my new movie critic eyes and it's just not it's not great unfortunately oh that's a shame 
It is a shame. Uh, what's not a shame is all the Beatles stuff out there. Like everybody's probably watched yesterday on HBO. Now I watched it. It's it's an excuse for two hours of Beatles music to listen to that on your sound system. Uh, another one of those excuses is the Ron Howard documentary, The Beatles, Eight Days a Week, which is it's kind of a one note documentary of just oh my God, the Beatles are so famous <laughs> for the whole time. And it's just two hours of that, and it's good. It's good. It's not bad. I, I enjoyed it and. So, you know, it's it's something to watch and you get to listen to Beatles music and all the hits for two hours straight in both of those movies. So Yeah, it's like the best cool. of a worst case scenario. If you're going to have a movie like that, if you're going to have just a love fest for two hours, you might as well have it with like the greatest rock band of all time. Exactly. Now, before I get into like my featured movie review, I did click on the platform. I, yes. I, I, I chickened out after 20 minutes and shut no! I was like, you, no thank you, no way am I finishing this. I want nothing to do with it. I'm sorry. I just can't do that. Can't do oh. a movie like that. Can't do it. It was a good setup. Everything was good. It was well made. I'm sure it's a good finish, but it's disgusting, and I'm not going to subject myself to that. Like I'm sorry. gory, body horror? What, what kind Ugh. of disgusting? Yeah. <laughs> gory. No. Okay. I'm not doing it. Ew. All right. Spit and the... I'll, spit fart noises into the microphone if you make me talk about it for any length of time here look the best thing i watched this week was wild tales uh it was 3.99 on vod i've wanted to see this for a long time i've never gotten around to it this was from the 2014-15 oscar campaign it was a spanish film an oscar nominee in the foreign language feature category as it was known back then mike this this movie wild tales is made up of six short stories of twisted revenge Huh. It's the craziest effing movie I've ever seen. If Tiger King is the craziest effing TV show we've ever seen this week, this is the craziest movie I've ever seen. Mike, I laughed, I squirmed, I screamed no, screamed <laughs> it, and I clapped at certain points while watching this movie by myself. And I don't remember having a movie experience like this. This was one of the the wildest things, literally. It, it, it lives up to its title. But here, here's something important to know about Wild Tales. It's evil. It's an evil, evil movie. The writers are evil, and they I think they know it. This screenplay is written with such relish. Uh, it knows exactly where it's going. So, look, everybody, I'm upset with myself. I'm upset with you, Michael. I'm upset with all our listeners who haven't seen this movie and recommended <laughs> it to me a million times. And if you're, And if you're in this malaise of quarantine and you want something badass, something to make you appreciate humanity by showing humanity at its worst, mm -hmm. watch Wild Tales for $4. So it's like a thriller? Or is it a horror? It's six stories of twisted, twisted <laughs> revenge. That's all I'll say. I don't want to give okay. it away. It's, okay. it's ridiculous. It's so good. The, if it, the first scene doesn't hook you, then I don't know what does. I mean, it's such good writing, too. It's a good so sell really job, I will say. That's a good sell job by you. I am intrigued now. I was oh, not when you were just saying how great it was it. earlier. Take the dive on this one. Even you could take it in pieces, you know, if you wanted. You could watch the first story and then go back, come back to it later. I mean, you got to, you know, deal with your rental, you know, your amount of rental time. But right. it's worth All right. it. My God. Mike, the featured TV series review I want to do here is The Crown. I, I finished season two, and it's so guilty that I actually feel bad about binging it so fast. Uh, oh. I, I, I wanted to draw it out more. I, I, it reminded me of when uh, I was in fifth grade and the teacher used to buy us candy bars on our birthday. 
and me, I was all <laughs> precious about my candy bar. Well, I'll take a bite of it, but then I'll put it back in my desk because she allowed you to just eat it whenever you wanted to. And you in went class, to the greatest school of all time. <laughs> I I always got nutrageous. I wanted nutrageous because uh, I had this teacher twice. So she did it in second grade and fifth grade. Mrs. Smith, what a great teacher, Mrs. Smith. I loved her, and she gave me a nutrageous candy bar and i remember all the class they're all envious they're watching me they think i'm gonna eat it. i just took one bite put it away because i was like this is how i must eat my candy bars all the time when in reality <laughs> if i ever got a candy bar i was like <laughs> even then lay off skinny. me i'm starving but i felt this way about the crown the crown i didn't want to just binge it and and then i just binged it but it's it's that good. Every story is like a huge historical landmark. So every episode is like centered around one thing. Like there's one episode on the Kennedys, you know, and the relationship between the Crown and the Kennedys. And there's one episode mm-hmm. about the Churchill, you know, resignation, the end of his being prime minister. There's, there's one episode about Princess Margaret uh, and, and her relationship with Matthew Good or whoever she married. It's played by Matthew Good. My God, what a great season of television. It is mesmerizing. And I, I, it's the best thing Netflix has ever done. And Ooh. that's saying a lot. They, they've put out some Oscar movies that we have loved. The Crown Season 2, in my opinion, is the best thing Netflix has ever done. It's that Did you good. watch Season 1? I watched Season 1 and Season 2 now. I'm, I'm about to start Season 3. Hopefully I'll have that review for you guys next week. And if, when, if this... the, when does Olivia Coleman jump in? Not to cut it's, you off, sorry. It's all Claire Foy thus okay. far. So Olivia Coleman is the next episode. She's Season 3, Episode 1. And I, I, I'm a little afraid of, to turn this one on because I, I'm so attached to everybody from the first two seasons, right. Claire, Claire, Claire Foy in particular. So I'm going to see a whole new cast, and I hope I, I hope it works just as well. But it's great. All right. That's a high, high, high review for The Crown. I like that. I did finish Pen15 on Hulu. It's very funny. Uh, I guess I'll spoil the setup for the biggest joke of the season is at a middle school band concert. And it's the best middle school band concert scene ever. It is the funniest thing, <laughs> the hardest laugh I've ever had. And just yeah, ever? watch the ever. hardest laugh you've ever had. No, no, no. It's it's the hardest laugh I've had in a while. But I, let's oh. just say it's the best middle school concert band scene ever. Okay. <laughs> I finished Mythic Quest: Raven's Banquet on Apple TV Plus. Uh, it's so much better than I ever expected. Uh, there are some real surprises in the narrative, which I did did not you know, go in for. I just wanted just this mindless, consistently funny show like The Office, like Parks and Rec, but there's some real great writing on display here. You know, Rob McElhaney, a company, Charlie Day, everybody involved, you know, they they know how to make a TV show. I mean, Sonny wows you in every episode too, right? So they they do a great job. Yeah, that's the thing. Those Sonny guys, they they know how to put some thought behind their writing, so it's not just your usual comedy. So that really doesn't surprise me to hear. And uh, I wanted to ask you, did you finish Curb Your Enthusiasm? No, yet? I think I, I think I have three episodes left, two or three. Okay. Well, th- did you see the ugly section with Nick Kroll? Yes. <laughs> that was yes. my favorite episode by far of the whole series uh, season anyway. Uh, season 10 is great, though. I mean, every episode's really good. And I've even gone back to some older episodes, just, you know, clicking around, just watching yes. them randomly. There's, it's just such good writing. There's the biggest laughs in the world. So, like, this is like a comedy nerd geek out, but these these last three shows, I mean, in terms of comedy writing, some of the best that I've seen since It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, since, you know, Parks and Rec and, and, and the Michael Schur shows. I mean, the, this is great comedy writing. I didn't know comedy writing could get to this level on 
series TV out there. So this is what we've been missing as Oscar critics just watching all of the Oscar nominees and contenders over the years. So I'm glad our quarantine watching has, has come to this. I really well, am. Th- yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, yes, we had the quarantine watch list that we re- released as an episode uh, last week or the week before. But, you know, in this What We're Watching segment, this is why we're doing it on every MMO Weekly, is that we kind of do go through. It's usually Mike on, on watching everything, but once in a while I'll chime in with a list on myself. But we go through what's available at your fingertips. So this is kind of another quarantine watch list for you. I think we just went through about 20 shows and movies there uh, for you guys to have. And it's available on different streaming services and right at your fingertips covering from the great comedy writing that we have with those shows like Raven's Banquet all the way to some more dramatic stuff and some scary stuff as well and tell you what to avoid. So hopefully we're doing you guys a service as well. But the service that you have all done us is what we will finish up this episode with as we go through our audience interaction segment where we had six degrees of MMO last week going from Meatloaf to Michelle Obama, Michael. Yeah, some great efficiency awards. Matt Starfighter at Matt Starfighter said Michelle Obama to Amy Poehler to Meatloaf through Parks and Rec in The Pick of Destiny, the Tenacious D movie there, Michael. The Pick of Destiny is an underrated movie as Yes, well. it is. Dave uh, Grohl is great in that. Oh, he's so good. He might be the best portrayal of that character on TV ever, or on yeah. movie ever, I should say. Um, I agree. Audrey Radajek, at Audrey underscore Radajek. Meatloaf was in Rocky Horror Picture Show, which starred Tim Curry, who was also the star of Muppet Treasure Island, which also starred Kermit the Frog, who appeared on Sesame Street, which Michelle Obama also appeared on. That's very and, wholesome. And guess whose class I watched Muppet Treasure Island in? Mrs. Mrs. Smith? Class. <laughs> so was that, that wasn't a real class then? That was just a daycare that fed you candy? No, with Mrs. <laughs> Smith. What a great teacher. My goodness. I can't believe I'm talking about Mrs. Smith now. Still. Anyway, Swamp Thing. At Wojciech Weischer, he said uh, Meatloaf was in Rocky Horror Picture Show and Barons. The I believe it's a is it a website or is it a magazine, Mike? Barons, I do do not know that. Anyway, Barons titled one of its articles Obama's Rocky Horror Picture Show. I will look it up right now. Barons, yeah, they of course meant Michelle Obama's husband. So I think Wojciech just was the most efficient you know, of all time. It's a weekly magazine newspaper published by Dow Jones and company. Wow. Oh, he put the link in the, in the, in the tweet there. Wojciech getting his learn on, getting a, doing some high society type reading, looking at Barron's there. He must be a stock genius. I bet you Wojciech's just a billionaire and he's just been, uh, been in hiding all this time. I just said that Wojcik was the most efficient ever. Look at what Dark Nook just did, Mike. <laughs> Dark Nook at Dark Nook Shop. The 2011 White House Correspondence Dinner. Michelle is on the dais, and Trump is in the audience as Barack mentions Meatloaf on an episode of Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> he didn't, it goes through nobody. It's just them to the, to the other person. It's, uh, we suck is what, what that this means. Anyway, Jack Mayer at jmay658 said, Meatloaf was in Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny with Jack Black. Jack Black and Michelle Obama both guest starred on the Nickelodeon show iCarly. I had no idea. We went to uh, Myrtle Beach like one, uh, one of the years in law school during the summer. Mm-hmm. And I drove, and it was like a 13-hour drive. I drove straight through the night. And I just remember getting there and like being in this hazy state because I hadn't slept in like 30 hours and just watching iCarly for like three hours straight on the on the hotel TV. What? (laughs) Yeah, it was just on and it was just what we decided to have on in the room for some reason. And there was just a lot of iCarly going on. And I was like, okay. Instead of drinking or drinking was happening, but instead of sleeping. Yes. 
instead of sleeping. I was very, very tired. <laughs> Ghosts of the Stratosphere at GOT Stratosphere. Meatloaf was in Fight Club with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is Barack Obama's cousin. What? <laughs> <laughs> they give a source. Accessonline.com. There's an article in the tweet where apparently Barack Obama said on uh, on the show that he was Brad Pitt's distant cousin. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then he said, how do you get from Barack Obama to Michelle Obama, which yeah, I yeah, made yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did. I did, too. Uh, the, uh, the I Miss Basketball Award goes to Jordan Beck at Dr. Underscore Magnifico. Meatloaf was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which Susan Sarandon, who was in Elizabethtown with Orlando Bloom, who was in Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, the Disneyland ride song was written by George Bruns, an alum of Oregon State, where Michelle Obama's brother coached basketball. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe Oregon State had the gall to fire him, too, like they did a couple years ago. Uh, I thought they should have been excised from the country because Obama would have just, like, thrown them to the wolves for having dare fired his brother-in-law. I remember thinking that at the time. How did he not give the Knicks better karma? That's what I want to know, because he was on the Knicks staff. He was on the Knicks staff, uh, Michelle Obama's brother, for a while. I don't know if he was a scout or if he was an assistant. I don't remember, but... Damn it. We should have gotten much better karma. We shouldn't be in the position we are now. That's what it is. You can blame Obama for that, too, as our president does currently for everything. (laughs) The I Miss the Obamas Award. This is very apropos. Bill Brasky at Bill Brasky 2620. Meatloaf was in Spice World with Elton John. Elton John wrote the songs for The Lion King. Beyonce starred in the 2019 live-action remake of The Lion King. She also performed at last while Barack and Michelle Obama danced at his inauguration in 2009. It was a simpler time. It was a happier time. And that's a great entry. My goodness. He connected it to the person who sung the inauguration dance song. Unbelievable. We have Robert Doherty. He gets the These Are My Favorite Things Award. And it starts like this. Meatloaf's in Fight Club, directed by David Fincher. I just watched it last week. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. David Fincher made The Game with Sean Penn. That was quite the surprise back in the day. Sean Penn was just on CNN, which employs Wolf Blitzer, who's in Mission Impossible Fallout, a movie that we loved Mm -hmm. last year. Tom, with Tom Cruise, of course. Tom Cruise is—he's in Tropic Thunder, and one of the funniest scenes, or one of the funniest characters ever. Uh, he's in Tropic Thunder with Bill Hader, who, of course, was on SNL, and he did a sketch where Obama's husband cameoed. <laughs> Obama's husband, yes, <laughs> I think I've heard of him. Uh, Book of the Week award goes to Nolan Roberts, who is he of the MMO Six Degrees of MMO Hall of Fame, of course. At Nolan Roberts, seventeen, Meatloaf is in Blood Rain. Why I don't know. Directed by. <laughs> Uwe Boll, who is notorious for challenging film critics and other filmmakers to boxing matches, including Quentin Tarantino, who was credited as a special guest director on Sin City, primarily directed by Robert Rodriguez, who also directed Alita Battle Angel, starring Christoph Waltz, who was in Big Eyes with Amy Adams, who was in Man of Steel, co-written by Christopher Nolan, who directed Dunkirk, which featured Harry Styles, who had a guest appearance on iCarly, which also had a guest appearance for Michelle Obama. There you go. Multiple MMO listeners reference iCarly. We all knew it would come to this eventually yeah it brings the whole segment full circle (laughs) but we do have a winner and this week it goes to tom hanks defense force at tom hanks defense with a c and it goes like this michael meatloaf would do anything for love but he won't do that (laughs) joe biden would not do that in 2016 which was run for president 
And in 2016, Michelle Obama was married to the president, who was also an Academy Award and Nobel Peace Prize winner, President Barack Obama. Yes, a very worthy win this week for the Six Degrees of MMO trophy and bragging rights. They go to the Tom Hanks Defense Force. Uh, Congratulations. You have this throne that is shamrock-shaked with shamrock shamrock shaped with shamrock shakes mike and i dressed as leprechauns the coronavirus unfortunately is on the throne mike uh i think we have one more week of this we're trying to keep the throne stationary is there anything else we'd like to add to it well if we're trying to keep it stationary it needs to be guarded by big cats you know tiger king's (laughs) big cats yes Yes. it has big cats throughout now they may eat you Mm -hmm. but they won't get coronavirus right that's the danger. That's that's the risk you run with dealing with big cats. And, of course, the Tom Hanks Defense Force guys have to have a Joe Exotic mullet and wardrobe on top of it <laughs> as they don the chair. So that is the Six Degrees of MMO winner this week. Next week's challenge. Yes, Michael, we are going to go with Maya Rudolph, who's going to be a voice actor in the Willoughbys. We've loved her work for many years. You can go a lot of different ways with her career on SNL and, of course, in movies. And you convince me of going to this next person. Yeah, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's the voice of reason during this uh, pandemic that we're all suffering through. Uh, he's trying to be wiped off the stage, I think, by our president, but he's in our hearts and in our minds, and he's the only man that any of us should be listening to, especially if the quarantine gets lifted before it should. Dr. Anthony Fauci is your six degrees of MMO uh, leg. Maya Rudolph to Dr. Anthony Fauci. That is your challenge for oh next God. week. This has been, that's the proper response, Michael. This has been MMO Weekly for this week. Uh, guys, as always, want to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about anything we talked about during this MMOW episode, as well as anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you're in your quarantine listening on Apple Podcasts, if you would give us a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Michael, what is coming next? Next, and what are some words of wisdom for the listeners? Well, like I said, we're going to review Crip Camp with Andrew, we hope, uh, from the Nomcast, a great show there that we've recommended for good reason many times and we've collaborated with many times in, in our past as well. So we're going to do Crip Camp. We're going to have, probably have another MMOW before we do Oscar Race Checkpoint, the quarter one review with another special guest, where we're going to probably dive into more history than we do you know, kind of review every movie from quarter one because there's not that many movies to review. So it'll be a fun, like, Oscar history episode. We'll have an expert guest, like I said, for that one. Words of wisdom, Michael. I need to go outside and walk in the sunlight. We couldn't even go outside yesterday because it was snowing. If things couldn't get bad enough, yesterday we were it was just like snowing heavy where I was. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, it was out of nowhere, too. I, I The forecast was all over the place. It was supposed to start three inches. I saw it go all, all the way up to as many as nine. We ended up pretty much with like two inches, and then it poured immediately after it snowed. So it all got washed away around here anyway. I don't know what I'm going to be walking outside into because I've had the windows closed. (laughs) I've just been watching too much TV. I was even watching some Tiger King playing hooky before this moment. And I don't know what I'm going to be in for when I walk outside. But I have a dog and the dog needs to walk. So that's happening. And that's wise. (laughs) I agree. That is very wise, guys. When reality sucks, you can come watch movies or hang out in this quarantine with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. 
We will see you very soon. See ya.